One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello everybody, my name's Neil White and from Backpage, this is the big interview with Graham Hunter at the Euros. It's Saturday morning, June 19th, the morning after England nil, Scotland nil. A game, from what I can gather from my morning's reading, viewed entirely differently on either side of the border. Today is also match de dos por España, they play Poland in the late game tonight and Graham Hunter is in Seville with Luis Enrique's squad. Portugal v Germany also coming up today and France play Hungary at 2pm UK. What a day of football, but Graham... Let's start with last night. What do you think Steve Clark's objectives were before the game began? And do you think Scotland were successful in achieving them? First of all, and it's not what you're asking, I think his objective was to, to name a team which is closer to the one that could represent Scotland best in this match. He missed that opportunity in the first game. And this isn't a coruscating criticism because I think that it's all very well um, us criticising afterwards, but clearly in the first game, if if Steve Clark saw something that said that it was better to have Lyndon Dykes because he thought that the checks were susceptible aerially, then you can unpick it. And if we were sitting here and he was having a little half pint of Guinness with us, I'm certain that by the end of a 20-minute conversation, we'd be a lot more open to the idea of why Gilmore didn't start, so on and so forth. And, and I think it... Hurt Scotland. If you look at last night, it hurt Scotland in the first game more than people have talked about that, that Tierney was absent. So um, his first objective had to have been how do I get my eleven correct? Tierney seems to have been touch and go. If I'm if I understand it correctly, it was a calf injury. That's a monster thing to to say to somebody. You're going to be tested against some of the best in Europe on a, a hugely wet pitch at the end of a long season and you know I'm going to need you by the way on I don't know is it Tuesday or Wednesday Wednesday it might be Tuesday and I've got to, I've got to return you to your holidays and your clubs so you know starting Tierney looks to have been a no-brainer now but I'm certain it wasn't and and I think most of us would have expected a busier midfield and maybe only Che Adams up front again he didn't do that and I think that's the beginning of the answer to your question in the um he didn't ever want England to create superiority by allowing either their fullbacks or the central defenders in particular, I guess particularly Stones, to come past the challenge, to have space, to move into midfield so that the players who were receiving from them could drop off their man. And in and in the instance of, of stopping Stones playing, it felt like in answer to your question, at least this is my this is this is the way I looked at it. The principal idea for the poor old two strikers wasn't necessarily that they should score. I think his ideas were that there might be a goal coming from midfield, that there might be a goal coming from a set play. But what he asked Dykes and, and Che Adams to do was 
work egregiously hard, um, which not enthusiasm, not ambition alone can do for you. They must be in, in pretty superb condition. At the end of this this season, to, to put in a stint like that, where it was England across the board who began to look much more weary, slower of thought, and a, a press like that where it's not a high press where you're backed up, where, where the, the two strikers basically have to make utter nuisances of themselves. That is a thankless, tiring shift. And normally, um, elite footballers can pass their way out of that. And Stones in particular has been has been taught how to do that. In my opinion, it told us something about um, Stevie Clark thinks about Mings. I think he thought that Stones was a little bit isolated in ability to play the ball out. And I wonder if retrospectively Southgate looks at the defensive pairing in midfield, which was so important against Croatia and worked very well, and Phillips was at Aurora and the best player, and Rice had a good game. I wonder if he now thinks that he could have used one of those plus more space-creating ball playing footballs in the middle of the pitch for him, i.e. whether you want to call Grealish a midfielder or an attacking wide striker, it doesn't matter what you call him. When he came on, it, it was it was flipping pandemonium. And, and part of Steve Clark's agenda, and again, I say this with respect, was a basketball fouling strategy on Grealish when he came on, and that was clearly pre-arranged. This guy can cause havoc. Don't let him create spaces. And we just gave him a bump or two every now and again. And Matteo Laws, if he did catch on, didn't quite think that he had to stamp his authority more than he did. Jack Grealish will be pissed off this morning, bruised, and McGinn will be texting him going, listen, sorry, mate, it's nothing personal. That's, that was just our strategy. And so the absolutely crucial thing wasn't simply that the midfield offered defence protection, even though we had nominally five at the back. It was that that they would keep the ball and make England chase a little bit. And I think that's probably why everybody's so excited about the game, because if you compare pass accuracy at home to Czech Republic and away to England, really, it realistically, it should have gone down. We're about 83% pass accuracy against the Czechs at Hamden and nearly 88% pass accuracy against England. Numbers don't generally turn me on that much, but they do tell a tale of what we're going to focus on probably, which was how hugely impressive the midfield was. And I thought you asked Scotland to play with, with confidence and comfort on the ball, and they did it. And and that's a rarity across both your life and my life, that, that Scotland against elite opponents can play confidently on the ball and pass it and slow things down or accelerate when the time was right. And in that sense, it was admirable. Well, let's get into the midfield, but I don't think you can really talk about the midfield and the way they gave Scotland such a great platform to achieve that result without talking about the two out of the three changes in the back three because having Kieran Tierney and Scott McTominay as a defender, it just meant that the defence, we, we could pass out of defence in a way that wasn't possible with um, the three that Scotland had against the, the Czech Republic in the first game. Yeah, I definitely I agree with you completely. And I think that it probably has gone under the radar how many times McTominay won the ball or jostled for it effectively and made it very, very difficult for England to play. I thought he had a super game. I think I, I still think in many quarters Tierney's not properly properly recognised. And I don't mean after last night. 
I don't think people properly recognise exactly how good a footballer he is, how well he reads the game. I think that's the thing. He's ferocious, he's aggressive, he's adventurous when he needs to be, and, and it's been proven that he's adaptable when he's being asked to play in a, in a back three. But I, I think he's a, just an exceptional reader of the game. And McTominay, again, is a really ferocious competitor. And, and like you say, he, he's a good footballer. And clearly that, that those three added to the two wing-backs. And, and maybe we won't use the same adjectives about O'Donnell, but O'Donnell wasn't far away from Scotland's best player, impact-wise. In midfield, first of all, I think there's something that links them in that Gilmore, sadly because of injury, hasn't played a lot of football this season. And... McGregor's had injuries such that I think he's slightly fewer games this season than he would normally have had. And I thought their energy levels were exceptional. I mean, okay, by the time Billy Gilmore was taken off, you could understand it. He'd run himself to a standstill. He really had stood out in terms of confidence and energy. And, you know, there are big question marks over Gilmore. Um, One of which is, is he left-footed or right-footed? The other is, is he going to be a defensive organising midfielder or could he play off the strikers and, and look like one of the most gifted players in Europe? And the other big question mark hanging over him is if there's ever an international football transfer market for, between countries, how could we ever, ever keep hold of the little poker? I mean, I, I grew up in the 60s and 70s, so this is maybe heretical, but it doesn't look Scottish. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There's there's little traces of Gundogan, there's little traces of um, Iniesta in there. There's a ferocity. I, saw, I don't know who used the Kante comparison, which is, you're like, well, hold on, hold on. Steady on for a second. One of the things I think that I notice about him is that he's much, much stronger. His top body is stronger. He holds things off. He's not scared of a challenge at all, but physically, still given his size, I think he, he does more... Um, of, of using the momentum of somebody coming in behind him to roll them and go away from them. And like Tierney, I, I think he's got a really quick anticipation of, of, of space and where people are and that, I don't know if it's imagination and peripheral vision, but he's got the, the gift of, of knowing what he wants to do, finding a man, but doing it really swiftly. So there's a fluidity. It's not, he's not, you know, the number one gift we'd have prayed for for Scotland had did we all had we all the chance because that's a striker and has been for for just all our lives really if we had somebody who could put goals in when we were on top put dirty goals in off his backside when we're not on top Scotland with this squad and Anastasia Clark would be a genuine menace and we, we we don't quite have that yet but if you wanted to say well what next well it would be somebody that makes the midfield look fluid and calm and competitive and where we look classy and um, if you're in a midfield where um, Rice and Phillips and Mount and Foden are all buzzing around you and and you've got to not let lose the ball where you've got to win it back which he did regularly and you've got to add the the calmness that Scotland regularly do not show, particularly away against big sides. And Gilmore couldn't have done it much better. But I think that given how little football he's played um, this season for Chelsea, that's a frustration to everybody who loves good football. Um, but his energy levels, I, I thought, were really good. And Neil, did you see the quote? 
This was to Alex O'Henley from um, the web, the UEFA website. Andy Robertson said, maybe he said this widely, but he said, I went to see Billy Gilmore in the hotel in the afternoon just to chat him through, see how he was. Andy Robertson said, I came out of the room more confident that we were going to win than we could. He went in to check on the wee man, the flipping guy who's just turned 20 last week on June the 11th. And this hard-bitten Premier League winning European Cup-raising tough nut who's our captain came out more confident about the result. That's Billy Bonkers, not Billy Gilmore. Uh, I read quite a bit about the game this morning. It's always fun, um, you know, to see how your opinion of a, of a football match aligns with everybody who's who's been writing about it. It will come as no surprise to you that one of the more insightful and interesting pieces came from Jonathan Liu, um, who described a system that has been built around Harry Kane failing because Harry Kane looks in less than peak physical condition at the end of a season, not for the first time. I don't know how much of England's sort of failure to launch can be attributed to that, but we had exactly the same conversation after their group opener, that when Southgate, when Southgate eventually makes the change, Rashford for Kane, he could have probably done it even earlier. One, this echoes back to your original question, because most of what Scotland were doing had the, the ultimate aim but even before you talk about drawing or winning, about making sure that Kane didn't get good service. And, you know, I think Kane was also well patrolled. And I, and I think that he, even if Grant Hanley, in, in your description, is the, is the bronze medal of the three central defenders, each of them patrolled him well. I thought McTominay worked him physically well, but he, he didn't get a massive amount of quality possession. And if you, if you, you know, one plus one sometimes equals three, if you get a big unit of a guy who is physically tired and you're saying to him on a rainy night under pressure, you're going to be feeding off scraps. Kane has got the ability in certain league games to say, I don't care, that's fine, I will dominate. But it happened that last night it was the perfect storm for him. And if you're arguing that Southgate could have replaced him earlier, I agree. I think if Rashford wasn't suffering from such shoulder problems, which has definitely hampered his form, and heavens above, if Kane was firing on top form and either Rashford started with them or, or, or was brought on, I think we'd have been talking about a very different prospect for Scotland, a very different prospect for the guys who were trying to use the ball for England because you can then use the ball one on the break much more and there were one or two times when Scotland had the ball put in behind them by England it's also we're in a far greater threat at set plays where we already just about conceded what might have been the winner uh, to Stones so I haven't read Jonathan's piece but I think it's patently clear to anybody who watches football that Harry Kane's pretty knackered other people will be asking questions about I think we, we did this in one podcast about do you want to be in the middle of a transfer move as a big tournament comes along? It cost David Silva masses of game time at, at World Cup 2010. Other Spain players deliberately said to their suitors, get this done before the championship, the, the, the big tournament, or don't talk to me at all. I have no idea. I'm certainly not pointing my finger at Harry Kane. But I think if, he'd had, if he was able to run his life differently then in the backward chain of events, you don't sign a 362-year contract with Daniel Levy, you know, which 
might be felt to be a bit restrictive. And you don't get hacked off with losing a manager and still no trophy and still no Champions League football just before you're about to go into the, the tournament where probably you should be in the form of your life and you're going to play 90% of the games at Wembley and you should win. Can he take the, the stuff that's weighing him down, tiredness, lack of supply, and, and any kind of gremlins that are in his head about... Am I running out of time here with England and, and with Spurs? And, and shake them off and, and dominate the game against the Czechs or score? OK, listen, it's time for a quick break before we get all the news from the Spain camp as they prepare for their next game later tonight. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back. Graham, let's talk Spain and Poland. Just as Che Adams kind of had to start for Scotland after the way their opener went, are we certain to see Gerard Moreno up front for Spain? That's not the point, apparently, according to Luis Enrique. That's not the point at all. And by the way, Jim Dobry, as the Poles would say, good morning. Um, it was fascinating to watch him yesterday. He didn't do a lot of media work early in the morning, but he did some, and... He said immediately, he's, he's the kind of guy that um, if you said to him, if you're serving him his breakfast and said, would you like toast, sir? None of your business. <laughs> so asking him about the team, but in the morning, he said, it's Alvaro Morata and 10 others. He never gives, he, he's obsessed, like Pep Guardiola is too, he's obsessive about secrecy, about the, the lineup, the tactics, the, the changes he might make. Alvaro Morata. Mark are very good this morning. Instead of Alvaro Morata and 10 more, like Lucy Enrique said, they've got the front cover saying Alvaro Morata and 13,000 others. So it's a nice, it's a subtlety about like, even though Mark and will be the first to beat him with a big stick if there isn't a goal tonight, they're, today they're saying, um, get behind him to the fan. There'll be about 13,000 Spaniards in the stadium. So get behind Morata. And, and that was all very... Interesting, as was, um, none of the papers seem to think that Busquets is starting. Because he passed a, uh, another COVID test and it was negative on Thursday night, it meant that by the time those results came in at breakfast time, Busquets was announced as clear to return to the squad, which he did to huge applause and people, the, the players, Busi, 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 shouting his name and all that kind of nonsense. And they said, well, he's not, he's not the idea. The papers have been writing that Busquets might just sniff the Slovakia game. Lucien, like I said, look, his, his, his GPS 
tracker data says that the training he's been doing at home, because he's been asymptomatic, means he's in perfect condition. I've been in touch with him all the time. He's not discarded for the Poland game. Now, none of the papers think he's starting. But there was another little nugget of information from Luis Enrique. He could have said, you know, um, I'm not telling you, none of your business, or no, he's out, and then throw him in, or blah, blah, blah. So it was an unusually loquacious mood on uh, Friday morning. I have to say that unless the players, their papers have been briefed, um, I think there's still a decent chance that Busquets plays. But that wasn't your question. Gerard Moreno should have started the first game. It's a Billy Gilmore situation, just like Che Adams. I, I think it was an error that he didn't start. I watched closely when he came on and in training sessions subsequently. Was there, was there a hint of a knock? hint of protection that doesn't seem to have been Let, let's wait and see again but it just seems to have been at least in the case no uh, Morata and Ferran and Olmo will do the job for us largely it's believed at the moment that not only should the two M's you know Dial M for Mayhem play together Morata and um, Moreno but that they will uh, but Moreno is the more technical player Gerard Moreno is the more technical player there's no question but Morata is a big unit He's he's quick. He's very very good in the air. And if you if you if you're forgiving, you you look at the number of chances he's been involved in over the last two games, rather than the misses. Morata is not unhappy if you ask him to be not a winger but play on the line, coming in, trying to isolate a fullback and get the ball over the top. Morata's perfectly happy in that big, rangy, aggressive running that a centre forward who's athletic can do if he goes left or right, and. Moreno is flexible enough that he prefers to play like Benzema, nine and a half. Not an outright centre-forward, but not an outright ten either. That's the position he loves most. But if you, because he's very left-footed, if you put him on the right and he's coming in onto that left foot, then his use of the ball, slide passes, that risk. Moreno's got that. And um, coming in off the right, it's easily the case that you could see Complete fluidity, always happy enough being a false nine. So the, the Poles, particularly missing Krakowiak, who was sent off in the first game, he's, he's a very good defence protection man. I think he's a good footballer, um, point full stop. And I think that Glick at centre-back has been obviously a good footballer. He's only 33, but I, I see him as having needed a little bit more defence protection. I wonder if it's going to be uh, Jacob Moder, who I haven't seen much of at Brighton, but clearly one of the things Luis Enrique can do over and above the videos that his analysts give him is go and speak to Robert Sanchez about Moder. Has he got flaws? Do you see him in training? You know, does he turn quickly? If he gets knocked over, does he complain? Just little little things like that. Whether Luis Enrique does that with his, his Brighton goalkeeper or not, I don't know, but it's, it's what I would do. And... I would have thought with that fluidity up front, if it's if it's Morata, Moreno and, and Danny Olmo, and Olmo, I was showing Torres the other day. Torres is clearly the, the more complete, greater footballer and, and his goal record for Spain is very, very good. But I think that Olmo's performance um, against Sweden probably meant that if there's a third forward, it's likely to be him. Then you've got a heap more um, questions about if Busquets is, if he's the pivotti, then who plays either side of him? Well, that almost guarantees that if Busquets is in, it'll be Pedri. It's because you've got this brilliant club connection and it's instinctive. It's automatismos that anybody who's listened to our podcast knows of. If it's not Busquets, if it's Rodri or if it's Thiago at the Pivotti, 
how does that what choices does that guide you to in terms of who plays right midfield and left midfield and on and on and on it goes and the last thing I'll leave you with I think it's too early to see Luis Enrique changing system but he is not avowedly against 3-5-2 Paulo Sosa for Poland had them playing 3-5-2 in the last game that they lost when they were down to 10 men and and you know Chesney had a a stinker when the ball bounced back in off him. We talked about that in the last podcast. Matching a 3-5-2 is not an outlandish idea. And what that does then, the reason it excites me a little bit, is that Aspilicat comes in at right centre-back and Llorente then, as a wing-back, is just automatically a little bit higher up the pitch. The goal threat that he brings is augmented and, uh, you know, you could we could... We could get that charge feeling, but that's not a very loose and reeky idea. So maybe that's just a flight of fancy. Uh, it seems counterintuitive to think that Spain will change a midfield that just recorded a, a championship record number of both passes attempted and passes completed in their previous game. Yeah, but okay, no, I, I understand that. So your description is brilliant about counterintuitive. I understand that, but. There has to be. I look back at the stats. And there's just a tiny glimpse. I look back at the stats. You know, Scotland had better possession than the Czech Republic and lost two 0 I, I think, um, and, and Scotland had better pass accuracy than the Czech Republic and lost two 0 I think the, the 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 Peter Perfect Mary Poppins idea about like everything is neat and tidy in the garden, Chancy Gardner, um, isn't enough. We know that um, Pedri and Busquets and Thiago and Koke can do it right and do it right. But you're not talking about um, efficiency. That's the big, big difference. Efficiency and efficacy. And they just, these are good. So you need to change your EE numbers and you want to go efficacy. And it's it's fine if, they're, if, they're, if their pass numbers go down by 50 and their pass accuracy goes down by 10% and they win 2-0. You know, and and that to me is not like abandoning <clears throat> the efficiency. It's about accepting taking more risks. Maybe the earlier pass. Maybe the pass where you think, well, it's, it, maybe they, they don't stand in and think sort of Robocop way about like that. There's a seventy-two percent chance of me making that pass, and I, but more creative risk. The the acceptance of maybe having to chase to press to win the ball back. Or maybe winning the ball back by, by the press being more aggressive, more adventurous. I think that that is one of the things alongside Pausa and, and maybe hoping that Poland make more mistakes than Sweden did. Because Sweden really didn't make that... Me- there was one beauty. It was There was one where um, whoever the central defender was kind of slips and falls over and that was Marat's best chance. And, and maybe we see that from Poland today, I don't know. But there's a, there's a theme from Spain that they need to be efficient in denying Lewandowski possession the way that Scotland denied Kane possession, but effective in saying, there's a risky pass, there's a risky pass, we're going to probe that guy, we're going to test him, we're going to turn him, bingo, seventh time of asking, there's the goal. Um, Okay, listen, it's time for our Player of the Day feature. This is brought to you by Bet365, our sponsor for these shows. Graham, open to you today. Are the participants of Spain versus Poland, of course, the game that you will be at? Hungary versus France or Portugal versus Germany? The number of options in this uh, match to to pick 
uh, Bet365 Man of the Day aren't only dazzling, but you've given me complete freedom to invent the reason for picking this, which, given my maverick nature, is probably very wise on your part. If you discard a couple of the obvious ones, it, it, in order for Germany to progress, it would be Man of the Day style for Manuel Neuer to, to do one of his octopus performances, save a penalty, and then nod in a header in the last minute. It was well within his range. And it could be uh, Joachim Lowe. His Germany side has thrilled us. So I'd like to pick him, but I'm not going to. Nor will I pick little Bruno, who's in a Cantona-esque effect on Manchester United. I'm going to go for an oddball, uh, which is Josh Kimmich, because he's unlikely to win the game. But he was talking in the build-up to this match about his position being the joker position. And, and you hear that phrase in different languages, where like a guy who can play in lots of different areas and you just play a joker in a certain uh, delineation depending on who you think the opposition is and what, what your team needs. So he can play right back, he can play right wing back, which is, if it's a 3-4-3, three, three, is kind of what he will be playing. I thought he was scintillating against France. I thought Kimmich was just... It wasn't just that he was everywhere, that almost every touch was perfect. It was like, here's the central driving force. Here's the guy who's trying to take his team and the game and the tournament by the scruff of the neck and drag a, 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 an eight-stone weakling Germany side through. So they'll need that. I think Portugal can win this game. I, I think they might win this game. They'd be my, If you pushed me, they'd be my slight tips to win. For Germany to lose twice in a row at home in this piece of a matter of days in Munich would be catastrophic. You'd need Das Boot up the arse, never mind Das Reboot, in order to solve that problem. But if there's somebody who's going to drag Germany through this experience, and he had a little dig at reporters who asked him, do you think you'll be playing in, in right central midfield uh, instead of right back or right wing back? He said, well, you, you missed a chance. You should have asked the coach. I'm not telling you. And so he's in playful mood. He's an exceptional footballer, plucked from, I can't remember where it was. Was it Leipzig? I can't remember where he was plucked from. By Pep Guardiola, whose tapes had showed him, this is the guy we have to go and get. And... He and his, um, his his team of inside men hopped in a car, went off, had a last look, signed him, and, and Byron have got a gem. Kimmich is, is a wonderful, exciting, inspirational footballer to watch. And therefore, even though my suspicion is that he might be on the losing side today, I'm going to go Josh Kimmich. Mr Kimmich, das ist du. That's everything for today. Graham will be back overnight with one of his quick takes immediately after... His night at La Cartuja is done. I love those episodes and I hope that you do too, listener. Thank you for being there today and I hope you enjoy the football. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. 
Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.